Hello, creators. Save the date for our 2024 Creator Circle Retreat happening September 23rd through 26th in Vancouver, Washington, United States. Registration is open and the early bird deadline is March 15th. The 2024 Creator Circle Retreat will be four days of restoration and rejuvenation for yourself and your business. And you can find all of the details at wellnesscentercreators.com slash retreats, where you can also click to apply. As always, feel free to email with questions anytime at kendall at wellnesscentercreators.com. And lastly, it's important to note that the retreat is limited to 20 people and everyone from last year is getting ready to register again. So jump on it. As health and wellness providers, we know that better patient outcomes require a whole person, multidisciplinary approach that we just can't provide on our own. That's why I've started the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I'll be bringing you interviews with experts, tips, tricks, secrets, resources, systems, and solutions so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And creating your wellness center won't feel like starting over. Welcome back, everyone, to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. Today on the show, we have Emily O'Neill. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, Kendall. It's nice to be here. Let's start with you sharing with our audience a bit about yourself and how you got to be doing what you're doing present day. Well, um, I run a business called Blooming Wand, which uh, provides services like um, intuitive readings, mediumistic readings, but also intuitive coaching. So I can work with people once or I can work with them over time with the intention of helping connect people more deeply to their inner guidance system and intuition so they can embrace change. Because I think we all know what life is all about and change is one of those main main things. So I use intuitive healing modalities like psychism, mediumship, and the tarot to help people do that. Amazing. I'm excited to chat with you today. I'd love to hear more about why tarot is a tool for transformation and healing. For me, I've been using it for a really long time. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. I feel like a lot of people first engage it because they want to get answers or ha- get information or predict the future. And it and it certainly can be used in that way as a tool for, pr- for prediction and fate and fortune telling. That's not my favorite way to, to use it. I don't think that's the most exciting thing about it. I feel like it's a way not that different from art. Um, you know, looking at art to kind of explore the human experience, to use symbolic imagery and archetypes to understand our personal experiences. So I always, I always tell people, like, if you really think about it, people haven't been engaging with symbolic imagery for tens of thousands of years. And you think about the cave paintings in France and all of that. So imagery is a great way to connect more deeply to different parts of yourself. And I think if you think about tarot as 78 cards, those are 78 parts of the human experience and potentially what's going on within you. So it's a great way to, to understand yourself a little bit more, but using imagery as a way to, in a, in a way, bypass the thinking mind and to, to potentially experience 
How does that image make you feel? What's your initial reaction? But in a nice way, it does use the thinking mind a little bit. So for those of us that are thinkers of our feelings, which I, I'm working on that, I fall into that category, it actually did help me journal more to understand what I was feeling. So I really think that it helps people have a jumping off point for self-reflection. So why do you say that intuition, our intuition is our superpower? And how can we develop that more? Well, tarot is a great way to develop your connection to intuition. And when I teach it to people, I teach it intuitively. So no books, no memorizing, but using specific tools borrowed from psychology, actually, to connect with the imagery. I feel like our intuition is our superpower because it's that deep knowing of what is right for us and when certain things are right for us and when they're not. And we live in a really busy, fast-paced world. We are bombarded with a lot of information, more than we've ever been in all of history. And I think we lean into our analytical selves a lot of the times, and that can get us mm, off track a little bit. I know that it certainly has done that to me. And our intuition is that deep knowing sense that's a physical feeling in the body, like it comes from our bodies, not from our minds. And it's it's that knowing. And I think if you've ever had a knowing you know what I'm talking about. And I, I do feel like most people have had an experience where they just knew something about a person or they went to a space and thought, oh, I don't, I'm not comfortable here. And I don't know why. And when we trust our intuition, we kind of don't really need to know all the, the whys. Something doesn't feel good. We just trust it. And then we act accordingly. But we're not taught that culturally. We're kind of taught the exact opposite. So I really do feel like it's my life purpose to help people understand that your intuition is your birthright. Uh, we all have psychic and intuitive abilities. It's something that you can be taught and it can be learned. It's not a special gift that some of us have. Some of us have just more diligently developed that skill set. And I know that for me and for most of my clients, building that relationship has been extremely transformative and helped us embrace the rhythms of our lives and the unfolding of our lives rather than looking elsewhere than to like our inner inner landscape if that makes sense instead of looking to other people to tell us what to do which i think especially as a young person i definitely looked to other people to kind of tell me like what's the next thing to do in life it, college, marriage, kids, like everything has to be in this order. But the reality is we're all different and we're going to all unfold and experience life in different ways and different things are going to come at different times. And that's actually pretty cool. Let's talk about psychism, mediumship, the intuitive arts in general. If you could define those terms for mm -hmm. our audience first and then yeah. tell us, you know, what makes them effective healing modalities. So they are very different. And just as a side note on my website, bloomingwand.com, I have a free, I call it a free members area, but it's basically um, where you can get information like this because a huge part of what I do is just educating the public. I feel like there's a lot of misunderstanding about how these things work or 
what you should expect when you work with a practitioner. So if you want to get a little bit more information, go there. I have a little mini course with videos and some informative stuff. But essentially, um, psychism and mediumship are not the same thing. And not all tarot readers are psychics. So we'll just kind of start at the top. Psychism is when someone uses their intuitive or psychic abilities, which I describe as being rooted in our clair senses or other than five senses. We have more than five senses. (laughs) We just do as human beings. And I think science is starting to back that up more and more. And it's when a psychic connects to someone's energy using kind of these other than five senses to get information. So if someone comes to me for a psychic reading, I don't need them to tell me really anything. Um, I'll just kind of tap in with obviously with their consent, get some information, bring it forward, and then they'll validate it. They'll either say, yep, that I can take that or nope, I can't take some of that information. And the intention of that is it relieves them of the burden of having to say, here's everything that's going on with me. You know, it kind of don't have to do that. I can sense those, the, maybe the most important things that are going on. We can discuss them and talk about ways to go. Maybe they can flow with things a little bit better or how they might want to make decisions moving forward. So that's a, a pretty big simplification of it. Mediumship is different. You sort of have a third party there, which is the spirit communicator. So the medium will connect to the spirit, person in spirit. That person in spirit gives them all the information and then they pass it on. And we don't like our sitters to give us any information. So we don't want to know. Um, we just like them to say yes, no, I don't know. I need more information if, if for the, uh, depending on what we're passing on to them. And that's so that it's evidential and ethical so that people know we're not getting that information through other ways. And for me, it just enhances relationship to spirit and just that there is more more going on than probably we realize. And particularly for people who are experiencing grief, it's extremely healing to to know that their loved ones know what's going on in their lives, that they're they're physically not here, but in spirit, they're always with them and that love never dies. Like we're all going to be connected through our memories and the love we shared in those bonds that have been built during lifetime forever. You, you could go to a psychic tarot reader and they'll use the cards as a way, a gateway to their intuitive abilities, but not all tarot readers are psychic. Some of them are what I call academic tarot readers. So they study the tarot and they're literally just interpreting cards. There's no connection to spirit. There's no engaging of the clear senses. It's just a very academic (laughs) approach to the tarot and there's actually many other approaches, and I do go over that in my in my my kind of course about intuitive healing modalities. But at a high level, that's kind of how I would describe it in a, in a nutshell. But there's there's more to it than that. But mm-hmm. I'll just leave it at that for now. Yeah. Hey, this is Shelby from the Jane Team. Jane is an all-in-one practice management software designed to save you time with features like user-friendly online booking, efficient documentation, and an integrated payment solution. Here at Jane, we know your treatment time is valuable, and you'd much rather be helping your patients and clients than filling out paperwork or chasing payment information. 
Jane's online intake forms help you maximize your treatment time by collecting all of the right information before your patient even walks through the door. Whether you need to collect a credit card on file, insurance billing details, or sign consent, you can customize your forms to fit your practice needs. And Jane is HIPAA compliant, so you can feel confident knowing that your patient's data is stored securely. With patient details saved directly to their profile and questionnaires to their chart, you can say goodbye to your bulky filing cabinet for good. Learn more by heading to jane.app forward slash guide. I'm curious your thoughts about, you know, a lot of our listeners, most of our listeners, I would say, are healthcare providers yeah, and or wellness center owners. And a lot of wellness centers dip into the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious your thoughts on how intuitive healing practices fit into wellness centers and how to, you know, if, if, um, owners are looking to bring that side in, like, who are they looking for? And how are they vetting those people to understand that that person um, is competent in what they're doing? Yeah, that's a good point. So in my industry, because I'm, I'm not a counselor, I make it very clear to people that I'm not trained in that way. But I love to pair my clients with therapists because if they have a therapist and they're coming to me, wow, they are really getting a really balanced package of good stuff. Interesting that you should mention that because a huge amount of my clients are therapists. <laughs> Or psychiatric nurse practitioners are all those surprise me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of my people. So I have attended a school to help me ensure that my psychism and mediumship meet a standard of care. Most people in this industry don't do that, I, and I, I kind of have thoughts about that. Like I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I had some natural ability, but. I didn't know if it was helping people. I didn't know. I thought I was crazy at one point. Like, am I really doing this or am I making it up? So for me attending, I'm still attending the Oakbridge Institute, which is run by two mediums. And their idea is to raise the standard of care. So it's hard to know what someone's skill set in. I always kind of worry when someone says, oh, I, I trained myself or... Um, if they haven't had a mentor, it's not that they're not necessarily good, but how do you know? Like, wh- how do you know w- how they learned their ethics? How do you know if they're operating at a certain level? So for me, I think training and development are really, really important. Now, it's funny because at the Oakbridge Institute where I go, it's also a bunch of therapists who through working with clients have realized, wow, I'm getting information in other ways and yeah. also wanted to make sure that they were understanding that skill set in a safe environment with practitioners that were also well-trained and have a, have a set of uh, standards of cares, protocols, and just ethics. Like how should you be doing this? How should you be presenting this to the public? So it's not the norm for that to have happened. In fact, some of the most famous mediums that we know of like Tyler Henry, the Hollywood medium who has his own Netflix specials, who's exceptional. He does a great job, but he, he didn't have any training or anything like that. To my knowledge, maybe he did, uh, but he doesn't talk about it very often. And I feel like for him as a practitioner, that was really hard on him to develop alone. And I had to do a lot of development alone and kind of had to 
hope and pray that a school would emerge because I didn't even know one existed other than the Arthur Finley College in England, which I, you know, that's far away. <laughs> I don't know if I'll yeah. ever get there. <laughs> you um, don't live in England. <laughs> no, I don't live in England. So um, for me, it was a really hard and lonely journey. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. So it can swing both ways without development and the support of other people that are learning and growing or that are bigger, better, faster, stronger than you. So you can learn from them. You feel alone. You, you might push yourself too hard. You might be too hard on yourself, but it can swing the other way where you're doing things that are doing harm. And I think with new age spirituality in the spiritual community in general, in the realm of psychism, mediumship, and tarot, a lot of harm has been done because there haven't, there is no standard of practice. And uh, this is kind of a tricky thing. Like, as a white woman in wellness, I'm very conscientious of some of the ideas that are pushed yeah. that are not probably all that helpful, but they're the norm. Like, people just say stuff that I'm just like, ah, I don't think that's good. Like one of the things I see a lot online <clears throat> is people channeling dead celebrities without the consent of the family and with no one there to validate that any of the information that they's com that's coming through is accurate. And I just think to myself, Who, how's this doing anybody any good? But people do it for attention. So there's, right. there are great people out there doing good work. I think you have to be discerning and careful about the practitioners that you choose. But in general, you want to look for someone who understands the ethics, that understands, like, like how I said, when we have a sitter, we don't want anybody feeding us information, especially when it comes to mediumship. And that they understand um, that they can describe to you their, their standard of care, like, how they would go about working with new clients or clients that they might be working with over time. Um, and most people in my industry don't work with clients over time. So I kind of am out of the norm in that they'll see you one time, especially for psychic readings. And they'll be like, bye, see you never. And it's like, I, I, <laughs> that's how my first psychic reading went. And I got a lot of good information that had a huge impact on my life. And I was like, whoa, that was a lot. Now I need help. Now I need support. Yeah. How am I going to get that? Um, I want to connect more to my intuition. Could you help me with that? And they just, practitioners just don't do that. And so I knew that when I was going to do it professionally, that I would have the option for people to work with me over time. And I think that's where the cool stuff starts to happen with understanding psychism and mediumship and tarot and using them to help people learn and grow as individuals. Uh, to me, it's way more fun to work with people over time than to just do one reading and never see them again. And 90% of people that see me once come back and they work with me over a time at least for three to four months, usually. I'm curious now that I know that you work with a lot of therapists, I think our mm -hmm. audience would be interested in as well. Like if you have an experience uh, working with a client, of course, not identifying any information, but mm -hmm. like what has what has been like a really impactful experience for you as a facilitator? I think when people start to realize that they have a relation, build that relationship with their intuition and they're like, Emily, I, I trust it. So there's a couple of factors that come into play. And I think trust is, a, is the first step trusting that inner voice, trusting those gut instincts 
and then acting accordingly based off of what your intuition is guiding you to do. I mean, most of the time, it's a very quiet and subtle thing. Small percentages of the time, it's that whap on the head, like don't go even though the the light turned green when you're in your car or something like that. Most of the time, it's very, very subtle. And when they begin to learn the language of their intuition, and I always tell people your way is going to be different than mine, but here are some fundamental practices that you can engage in that will help you understand it. And when they have that moment of like, I, I get it. (laughs) That's always very thrilling, very, very thrilling and fulfilling to me. So when they get that trust, um, then there's kind of a second thing that's exciting to me when they learn to accept what their intuition is giving them. And it's usually about change. It's usually about making pretty significant changes in their lives that, they've been maybe nudged all along, but they bypassed it or ignored it. So it's really learning to not bypass things, which that's a whole other topic, (laughs) spiritual bypassing, emotional bypass, all the things, all the ways we can bypass. So it helps them not do that so much when they're learning to lean into their intuitive self and accept the acceptance component is extremely, extremely powerful. Um, When they're like, I'm taking on board what my intuition is telling me. And I'm making changes in my life. And even though it's hard, I can see that it's going to lead to greater fulfillment. I'm curious. I think, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners uh, would bring something like Reiki into their Mm -hmm. practice. I'm curious if you practice Reiki and how you view Reiki as similar or different from mediumship, psychism, intuitive arts. So energy is energy and Reiki is essentially energy work. And I am somewhat familiar with it. Um, there are lots of different kinds of mediumship that rely on different kinds of energy. So what I'm talking about is called mental mediumship. Um, and, but there's something called trance mediumship, which is highly rooted in energy work, which is letting the spirit world blend with a facilitator, not unlike Reiki and kind of passing on healing energy to a client. So um, I just kind of, it's different in the sense that if you're going to be a Reiki practitioner, they require you to do certain things, which I kind of have mixed feelings about Reiki, to be honest with you, and kind of the way that it's dispelled throughout our community, similar to some of the the challenges I have with like how the Western world's received yoga and how we get all of that right. stuff. But all in all, is it a do I think it's helpful to people energy work? Yes. Do I get energy work from practitioners? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that again we just have to understand the training and the ethics around that and what, you know, what to expect. But energy work is a big part of what I do, actually. I mean, I'm picking up on things through energy, through reading basically energy and sensing things. And, and so, um, yeah, and there's a lot of ways, a lot of modalities that people can engage in energy work and they come from all over the world. I always tell people, look to your ancestors and the traditions that they were held, like do some research. What did your, where do your people come from and what did they, what did they do? Because there was a time long ago when they may not have used the term psychism or mediumship, but they had healers that did these things and they were a really, really important part of the community. So um, I just try to be really conscientious of, 
How am I learning these modalities? Where are they coming from? What cultures are they rooted in? And just making sure that I'm not appropriating anything. Um, and I think you know, that's just one thing I try to be careful of. But energy healing is is widely known and used in many cultures throughout throughout the world. And Reiki just happens to come from from Japan. Emily, this has been a really fascinating conversation. Uh, I think it'll be helpful to our listeners. And I'm curious how you work. Do you work only in person with clients? Do you work virtually? I'm working 100% virtually now. I did have um, a space for a while there, but you probably you probably know about this. As a sole practitioner, rents are high. So yep. um, I'm always looking for, you know, the, the opportunities to do more in-person work. And I do think that that will be coming down the road in the next year, year or so. But for now, everything is done online. And, and I thought it would be challenging for my clients, but actually I think they like kind of being able to lay in their bed, <laughs> to be honest, and like get cozy while we do some really, frankly, very deep work oftentimes and especially sometimes when energy work is involved i'd rather they not have to get in their car and drive so we're kind of uh all feeling the benefits actually of being able to be in their cozy sacred spaces and do some deep intuitive work so it's it's online for now so if folks want to uh, work with you or find your resources how can they do that yeah, yeah, they can just go to bloomingwand.com and I have a lots of free resources available to people through that members area because like I said, it's really important to me to educate people and give people just some basic tools that they can use and engage with. Um, I have podcasts, I have all kinds of, of, of free resources and if people want to work with me, uh, I do have availability right now and they can book online. Wonderful. And your mm-hmm. podcast is called Blooming Wand Podcast? Yes. Blooming Wand Podcast, available in all the usual places. All the spots. Yep, all the awesome. spots. Awesome. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Wellness Center Creators Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode please visit our website at wellnesscentercreators.com for more show notes and additional episodes. Plus, if you do have time, please subscribe to the podcast and please consider rating and reviewing the show. That will help other people find us. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wellness Center Creators Podcast.